The following audio is from Park Church in Denver, Colorado. More information about Park Church is available online at parkchurchdenver.org. Wasn't that a good word? There, sometimes you hear something that just hits you at your core. There's, part, there's parts of that that were hard to hear because I know how that's a struggle for some people. There's parts of that where I feel like, yes, that is a rallying cry. So I'm just going to turn our attention here a little bit about to the things about how we care here and what brought me to Park Church. Then I'm going to bring up my brother Miguel here to share about his experience as well. I felt that there are so many places that I move through in life where I'm in between worlds. And so I'm constantly looking for a sense of belonging. I think all of us do that in many ways. Maybe it's our faith. Maybe it's our gender. Maybe it's our politics, maybe it's our heritage, but there are many things that can preclude us from being in right relationships with people where we feel like there's a safe place and belongingness. So when I walk through these doors for the first time, I'm scanning, and I know many people have to do that for their sake as well, or when they're looking out for the sake of other people. So I'm looking, because I already can see physically this may not be a place that will accept me, maybe. But as I came to know the people here at this church and the leadership here, I got settled. And so when I say that every time I meet you all, how beautiful you all are to me, that's why. When I say that I have a sense of home here, that is why. I have seen nothing but the pavement just cleared for me to be able to feel like I have a place here. So I thank you for messages like that, Gary. I thank you for every single person who has been an advocate and an agent of change in my life and my, my space here in this place. So to Gary's point, please, please lean in. It is work like this that is like a bomb for us, B-A-L-M. It is a bomb for us when people are participating in this work because it is so far and few between where you will find situations where people are going to... Hello? Sorry. Where they either are going to be willing to link arms with you or where you're going to have to bang a door down and you don't want to have to do that. So thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you. Miguel, come on up, brother. Miguel is not a stranger here for you all, I hope. Right? Come on. Come on. So I asked him to come up here today to share a little bit more about what brought him to Park Church, what he's experienced, and what his hope is for. All right, man. So just give you a little context. Um, Once I was rounding up my residency and found out... uh, that uh, Park was looking for um, someone to oversee groups. Um, I went to the website (laughs) and I was like, man, there's a lot of white people on this staff right here. Um, So, I mean, in all seriousness, um, I waited, I sat on it. I knew about it for two months, but then by God's grace, God allowed me to apply and, and, and brought some things to my mind. But I remember having the first conversation with Pastor Gary. Um, It was the first week of December of 2018. And conversation was going well, but there was, in the way how the conversation flowed, 
he asked, I, I, I was able to ask him a question from a genuine place. I said, man, what is, what is your position? What is the elder's position and where this church is, is at when it comes to minorities on staff? And then I told, and then I went on proceeding. I said, hey, because here's the thing, Pastor Gary. I said, I'm ethnically black, but also I'm culturally black. You know, my verb may not match my speech every now and then, and that's okay. And I told him that. I said, hey, my wife and I, we, we, we come from a, a predominantly black church, a chocolate church. So, I mean, I was like, I need to know where your church is at on this because um, it matters for me and it matters for my family as well. And I knew this was a place I could probably rock with because... He, he, as the conversation goes on, I can't remember everything he said, but he said something that stuck out to me. He said, hey, man, we're not looking for tokenism. We're not looking to, to be a church that just brings people of color on just for the sake of uh, putting on a show and just to put it on a poster. And that meant a lot because contrary to what you all may believe, when people of color go to the majority church, most of the time, they want them to come as long as they behave, as long as they assimilate, as long as they be who they want them to be. And for me, that wasn't going to rock. I wasn't going to travel. I wasn't going to travel a whole other time zone to come and be here. I could do that in Kansas City. Um, and, 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 and this was one of those things where this is a place where I could be who I am. Um, prime example, let me give you a story real quick. We was in the conference room uh, pre-COVID, and they were talking about Terra Chips. Terra Chips. They was like, oh, my gosh, this, this beet and this sweet potatoes. And, and I'm just sitting back in the corner, and I'm like, oh, my God. In my mind, I'm like, if this ain't the whitest conversation I have ever had. So then... And then Pastor Gary comes over, he goes, hey, is this not the whitest conversation you ever heard? I said, 100%. I said, hey, y'all can have y'all tear chips. I just want some hot Cheetos. That's all I want. That's all I need. So, but I say that because that kind of gives you a glimpse of what just like his word matching what he says. I can be who I am. I ain't got to like tear chips. I don't. They, they trifling, you know. However, um, I can still be. Again, like who I am. And I think that's very important here. So let me, as I get ready to wrap this up, here, here's why do we come and what, what do I hope to see um, in all of this? I think the reality is that through this whole process, when we were talking with the elders and, 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 and staff, man, the gospel, uh, we came because of the gospel. We came because... Diversity wasn't, uh, it, it wasn't, diversity wasn't the gospel. It was an implication of the gospel. It wasn't like, hey, let's just get um, a, a person of color just so we can meet a numerical number or anything like that. Although Gary did say, hey, man, when we first talked, he said, hey, do you believe in free speech? I said, yeah. He said, will you move to come give a lot of them here in Denver? I was like, yeah, all right. Well, it's going to cost me something. But anyways, um, Man, I think uh, we came because, man, we believe, man, Park could be a place where my wife, my kids, my family, my kids won't be judged because literally of the color of their skin, because they may be a little more rambunctious. Man, uh, we came because ultimately, man, God called us here. 
We came because God is our master. Hey, I love my chocolate church. I love my vanilla church, but I love God more than I love either or. And so we came because this is where God was saying, this is where we need to be. And we wanted to come and, and, and wanted to be a part of a place where, hey, it wasn't just my talents. It wasn't just uh, because you can get something out of this, out of this brother. But it was, hey, we, it was like, hey, we want you here because you're an image bearer, not because of what we can get out of you. And that's what I believe. And that's why we came here as well. And so what I'm hoping to see is that the same way that Park has loved on my family and I, is the same way that regardless if somebody's chocolate, butterscotch, vanilla, mix, you name it, 31 flavors, when they come through this door, they are loved and cared for because they're image bears, not because they, we can get something out of them because they look a certain color. That's what I'm hoping that we see. The last thing that came, the reality is that my wife and I, we came because we were willing to be uncomfortable for God and his kingdom instead of our personal comfort. So my question to you, my brothers and sisters, is that are you willing to be uncomfortable for God and his kingdom instead of being comfortable for your own personal sake? God bless. Thank you, Brother Miguel. Yeah. All right. Again, <laughs> this is so emotional for me. All right. So what I want to do now is like conclude the, the part of where we're going. We've been making this appeal for you all to do this work, but I want to have one little string here. And that's that we would not be here if we didn't consider ourselves be the bridge builders. We consider ourselves builders. And we would not be in spaces where we are excluded or places where we feel marginalized or places where there wasn't a sense of space for us. And that's why we do this work. But that takes a partnership. You can't be in any relationship by yourself. And so what we've had to do over the last few years and what we still have ongoing right now are some initiatives to help you all along your way so that we can meet in the middle. So that people like us, those minorities of different backgrounds, of people who aren't represented some places, have a place to feel that. And so one of those was uh, an advertisement that we had for the B2B 101 online class. The second one is a BIPOC, which means Black, Indigenous, People of Color, also 101 class that was pr provided online through the Be, Be the Bridge organization. On Wednesday nights, we're also hosting a night for conversations with Miguel and I, where you can come with your questions if you're in either of those courses to present them to us, or if you're exploring in your own work to the diversity resource page, that you have someone that you can talk to who kind of like give you some handrails to say, what's going on? Is this what happens when I do this? Is this what y'all think? How should I process this? But we're there because we don't want to just like port you to different resources. We want to be there with you along the way. One other big item that we have coming up in the winter is the Be the Bridge uh, in Whiteness Intensive. So that's where you'll hear us talking about a special person who has been a gift to our congregation, who has an expert voice, someone who's done the work, someone that I consider a strong ally, and her name is Tana. So what I want her to do is to come up here and share with you a little bit more about the work that she's a part of and why she's partnering with us specifically. Welcome, Tana Padilla. Thank you. 
Hola. Okay. Hi, I'm Tana Padilla. Um, before I go any further, I have to honor the indigenous land that we're on, the Ut, Arapaho, Apache, and Cheyenne. And with it being an Indigenous Peoples Day, I would like us to just pause. I'd like every eye closed and every head bow, and I'd ask for you to pray for our brothers and sisters all across the nation whose land has been ripped from them and stolen, and we stand upon it. So I'm just going to take a moment, and let's pray for them. I'm going to go ahead and interrupt your prayers. As Christopher said, my name is Tana Padilla. Um, I've lived in Denver for about eight years now, and originally from Iowa. I grew up on a farm, um, a working farm. And I came across Be the Bridge about five years ago. Um, when Latasha was speaking at a conference and talking about racial reconciliation and she started talking about um, a path for people to learn the language and the tools for reconciliation. Um, and I began the journey. And it's been a wild ride, um, probably the most joyful work I've ever done, grievous and joyful. Um, I was brought on with Park to help guide other white people through the process because it can be really hard. So um, we did a cohort, a couple cohorts last year, last year and this year, kind of both and, um, where we did Be the Bee 101 and then um, the Whiteness Intensive. And it's been amazing to watch Park Church go through this process. It's really, really beautiful. Um, I'm still facilitating with B2B online. We do a Zoom 101 um, that we've been offering the last few months. Um, so I help facilitate on that. And then um, I'll be continuing that process with Be The Bridge and then also with Park and potentially a couple other churches here in town who are interested. Um, it's a really humbling process to walk in reconciliation with someone. Um, I think for, the, for some of you have heard, who have heard me before, you know, just talking about if you go to counseling with a parent or a sibling, it's 
not very pretty in the counseling office, but reconciliation can happen. And it does require both sides to come to the table. And you guys are given such a great opportunity here. There are not very many churches where a lead white pastor is speaking out on this and where you also have Miguel and Christopher here already moving in and coming to the table and requesting your presence. So there is a beautiful path to take and I just encourage you to come with us on the journey. It's so joyful and there's so much freedom because the truth sets us free. And we, have, we do have to learn the language and we have to understand where people are coming from and it can be really, really beautiful. So I just encourage you with that. Thank you, Tana, for all your continued work with us. So I have a couple of testimonials lined up for the program that she just mentioned that ran through a better part of the late of last year and the earlier portion of this year. And the first person that I wanted you to hear from is Pam Nelson. Love us some Pam. Hi, my name is Pam Nelson. I've been at Park for about for a year and a half now. And one of the things that drew me to Park was their interest and wanting to pursue racial reconciliation. Um, it's been an interesting experience. Yesterday, Gary said this in his message. You like to be quoted, don't you? <clears throat> he said, when God meets us with his grace, it can be disruptive, transformative, and healing. My experience with Be the Bridge has been all of those things, but I almost didn't do it. When I first got the email over a year ago um, about the possibility of a meeting similar to this one, um, my initial reaction, I told my daughter, I said, I'm, I'm really too busy right now. And yet this had been something that had been, I'd been talking about for a long time. But what happened was almost the very next day, I got um, an email from Latasha Morrison and joined the um, launch team. Yeah, the launch team for her new book. And suddenly I felt like I had, God had my attention and I felt like he was saying, now was the time to do it. <clears throat> so what are the things that I learned as part of Be the Bridge? And I thought of about three things. I could have gone on, but I didn't. I won't. First of all, it was just relearning and broadening my understanding of our history of America. And some of it, I actually am old enough to have lived through. <laughs> so, it, it, you know, just a totally different perspective um, and things that never made the history books in school. The second thing was really to understand the difference between intent and impact. All my life, I've said, oh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to, um, 
you know, I don't see, um, sometimes I probably said I don't see any racial differences, but I didn't really recognize the impact of my white silence and how I just kind of slid underneath the radar of really taking any action or changing anything about myself. And the last thing that was probably the most important thing was the connection with our group. We worked as group members. We had discussions with Tana leading us. And it, a lot of times it was about how God's spirit was convicting us and challenging us. We all faced and processed areas that we recognized as sin in our life, and it humbled us. But it was so good to just see that transformation take place. So what's still unresolved? Where do I go from here? How do I sustain the effort? And part of it is just being a part of this church and the things that are happening here. And then Tana usually would ask us how God's word is impacting us. So I did that tonight as well. In 2 Corinthians 5.18, it talks about us having a ministry of reconciliation. And I know Paul is talking about the gospel, but as Gary mentioned earlier tonight, we're talking about the gospel. Recently, we um, had a message on the Lord's Prayer. And in the Lord's Prayer, we pray, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I don't I know there won't be any racial injustice in heaven. When we think about Revelation 7-9, it talks about every tribe and every nation being present. And that's what heaven is going to be like. And so how do I sustain that effort here and now? And that's really been my experience with Be the Bridge and continues to be my experience with Be the Bridge. Thank you, Pam. Love you so much. We need more Pams in our lives, trust me. I said we need more Pams in our life. Yes, yes, and yes. So the last speaker that I wanted to come up and share a little bit of his uh, testimony or, or his experience of going through B2B and this process that he's gone through uh, is Ryan. And I find him a brother in arms. He is my, my white ally. <laughs> I love you so much, brother. There's, there's um, sometimes this work can be really daunting. People don't know where they're gonna come out on the other side or if, if this is something they can continue to pursue. But I've seen him like already be primed for the work that he's moving into even more so and developing the voice that he has. Uh, he's just naturally gifted and going through this, I think he's found um, even a stronger voice. Thank you, Ryan. Share. Thanks, Christopher. Um, I was talking to Gary about his message and he's like, I have so much to say in 40 minutes. And I was like, I have so much to say in four minutes, so. Um, yeah, Christopher asked me a little bit to share how I got um, kind of involved in Be The Bridge, why I was interested in it, um, and then 
one thing that I kind of wrestled with in the Be the Bridge curriculum, uh, for me at Notre Dame, um, I had friends, uh, black friends, who wore shirts that said Notre Dame non-athlete. Um, the Black Student Union at Notre Dame created shirts that said non-athlete because the assumption for black people on Notre Dame's campus was that you played a sport. That was it. And I think in that moment, I realized that their experience of walking around this campus was different than mine. And their experience of walking through this world was different than mine. And a journey four or five years later, coming to Denver with my wife, stepping into this church, uh, hearing messages that were aimed at this, getting to know Christopher, seeing Miguel come on staff, which is just an affirmation that this church was moving in a direction that we believed in, um, and a direction that was trying to bring healing in a place where there hasn't been much healing. Um, and in steps be the bridge. Um, and so my wife and I go check it out, learn, think about what, is, what, is, what could this mean for us. Um, and we hear this idea of actually getting language and learning so that you can have better conversations. When my friend came into the room wearing a Notre Dame non-athlete shirt, that shirt meant far more to him than it did to me. I saw it quite honestly as a joke or another way to express who you were on campus, and for him, that shirt carried so much weight. And learning as a white person the weight that a shirt like that carries for people of color in this world was so powerful. And so as I'm going through this curriculum and learning and reading and, and listening um, to folks and processing with close friends, what does this mean? What do I do with this? Jamar Tisby in his book, The Color of Compromise, says the black church never would have existed if the white church would have been the church. And that hurts. The black church never would have existed if the white church had been the church. I've grown up in white church my entire life. What do I do? Am I the issue? Gary's comments around white guilt, how do I actually carry that? Knowing that the sins of people who came before me have caused massive racial division. Is it okay that the church is divided like this? And the answer has to be no. As Pam mentioned in Revelation 7, every tribe, tongue, and nation, that means that they're different. It doesn't sound the same in heaven. There's a variety of voices, and there is a beauty in a variety of voices. And so as we step into this work as a church, what does it mean for us to pursue a variety of voices? And it may cost something as white people. We have to take sac sacrificial steps to undo the hurt that we have caused. And that's what Jesus has done for us as well. That is the story of the gospel. Sacrificial love for the good of those who didn't earn it. And that is the story of racial reconciliation. We have an opportunity to step into this, and it will cost us something. But the beauty of a diverse church is too good to pass up. Thank you.
See what I mean? That's my guy. All right. Um, so. Is this thing on? All right. We pitched a little bit, be the bridge. But the, the pitch here is not necessarily Hello, hello, hello. All right. The pitch is not necessarily for the organization. The pitch is the concept or the philosophy that, that comes with it, which is, will you be a bridge? We don't purport that this will be automatically tie a yellow ribbon around all of this work that we're doing here, but it is going to be provocative. It is going to give you the tools that you need to wrestle with this. And you are going to leave this also with some kind of like idea of what to do next. And there's going to be a community around you of people who are going to help you do that. I want to thank you for your attention tonight. I want to thank you for coming and learning a little bit more about where Park Church means to stand, not where we've been pushed in some, in some light. To hear the differentiation between some of those voices that are also predominant in our culture right now, but who we really are and what we really mean. Let's close in prayer. <sighs> thank you, Lord, for this time. We give it to you. Again, keep our ears open, our eyes open. May we hear and know you, Lord, and how you're moving through us and in us and how we can love others, how we can think highly of others and how we can put the needs of others before ourselves. May our lives be meaningful to the people around us. In your name we pray, Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you, Park Church. Love you.